Thank you for welcoming us into your headphones. I'm Chema, reviewing Looking for Alaska. This is the rollback. What's up, everyone? This is Chema from the rollback. We're uh, taking a little bit of a different spin today. Uh, for once, I am by myself. I am uh, not with uh, Eddie, Alex, or Fernie, or any of our usual guests. And uh, instead of talking about a movie, I wanted to talk about a show this uh, eight-episode adaptation of the book Looking for Alaska by John Green that was done by Hulu in 2019. Now, I have a personal history with this book because it's one of my favorite books that I read as a teenager. And the Hulu adaptation came out uh, almost uh, like a year and some months ago. And I really enjoyed it, but I saw very little conversation on it. So I thought, let, let me take a moment to kind of talk about it, kind of talk the things that I liked, things I didn't like, and we can uh, have some discussion on it because I think it's an adaptation that is uh, very much worth visiting and revisiting if you did enjoy it. Let me just uh, get you a little bit of the plot uh, looking for Alaska, find your people, find yourself. Teenager Miles enrolls in a boarding school to try to gain a deeper perspective on life. After an unexpected tragedy, Miles and his friends try to make a sense of what they have been through. So Looking for Alaska, there's a book, book written by John Green, the show created by Josh Schwartz, who was a creator of um, The O.C. back in the day. He also uh, developed Gossip Girl and uh, co-created uh, Chuck. So th this guy has a history of creating um, very interesting shows based on younger people uh, with very specific uh, issues and drama. And I think he might, he is pretty much like the perfect person to adapt this. In fact, the story of this of the adaptation goes way beyond where the first where the book first came out in two thousand five. He wrote a screenplay for a for a movie adaptation that ended up never being made. And eventually, years and years later, after his, uh, his relationship with Hulu, he did uh, the show The Runaways for Marvel, and now he finally got a chance to do. The Looking for Alaska adaptation instead of a movie. It was turned into an eight-episode adaptation, which is perfect. That is, I think, the, the best way that an adaptation like this would work. The episodes are about an hour long, like 50 minutes to an hour long. And we got a really nice uh, miniseries based on this book that I have a, a deep affection to because I read it a lot when I was a high schooler, when I was a young teenager. And it really affected me and it really uh, opened a bigger scope. This is pretty much like the first book that I read, uh, like a big complex novel that eventually opened the path for me to becoming a bigger reader. So if you want to blame something on me being a big reader, this might be the one, Chief. This might be the one. So we have this uh, Looking for Alaska adaptation. Um, of course, pretty famous, uh, pretty famous novel. John, of course, became a super famous writer uh, with this and with his other books, but especially when he did uh, The Fault in Our Stars, which eventually also became um, a movie, which became a huge hit. I mean, you, you, if you were alive in 2000. 14 you knew who john green was like he was unescapable but i've been a fan of him since like 2009 or something and looking for alaska was my introduction to him and of course block brothers nerdfighteria his whole uh, crash course his whole projects have always been around me ever present but this one to me was special i mean uh of course they made adaptations of fault in our stars paper towns uh a, a let it snow adaptation came out last year as well um on netflix but this one looking for alaska to me this one was special these characters are very dear to my heart the, the book itself is also very dear to my heart and I, I i can admit that it's not a perfect story or a perfect characters or not a perfect world 
world, but something about it has always stayed with me and the characters are very special to me. So the fact that we're finally gonna get an adaptation, we got an adaptation, um, was exciting, but also a little bit scary. So Hulu, Hulu might've been the perfect place to do this. I feel like Netflix would have done something very different and not as fun as what Hulu did. This came out as a very effective, authentic adaptation um which i think ended up really affecting the mood and the setting the fashion music soundtrack the cast everything just kind of fits really well around this story there are some things that i that i, that I would like to pick at but first uh let's look at the plot so looking for alaska it's about this young teenager named played played by charlie Plummer. his name is miles halter and he lives in orlando with his parents he has no siblings he has no friends and he has a very quiet and in his words very boring life he has this obsession with learning the final words of famous people. and he reads this uh this bio he all he reads is biographies but he only finds out he only jumps to the end to find out what the last words of these people were he finds the last words of this french poet named francois Revelay. His last words are I go to seek a great perhaps. Now he reads this and he goes, shit, I have to find my great perhaps now before I die. I don't want to wait until I die to start looking for it. So he asks his parents if he can go to this uh, boarding school that, that, that his dad went to as well. And they say yes. And he goes and he goes looking for that great perhaps, for that great thing that's going to make his life worth living or worth creating something out of. And what he finds is something very interesting. He finds a group of friends in this school. He, he meets his roommate, Chip Martin, AKA known as the Colonel, played by Danny Love, who introduces him to the rest of his friends. His character of Takumi, who is uh, played by Jay Lee, who is also this uh, very interesting, very smart Alec character who has a passion for um, knowing everything about anyone. Uh, he meets this very... Uh, a uh, cute girl named Lara Buterskaya, played by Sofia Basileva. And, of course, he meets this wonderful, very mysterious girl called Alaska Young, played by Christine Froseth. And let me just talk about the cast for a second. These, th This cast is really good at embodying these characters. They are all very different, but they fit really well in different ways, their characters. Um, Char let, let, let's go one by one. Charlie Plummer, uh, we know him. Uh, I, I mostly know him from uh, All the Money in the World. He was the younger kid that got uh, that got captured. Uh, he is very little of what he does there, but uh, I know he really left uh, left an image. So to me, he was uh, he was pretty good as Miles. He plays this uh, very aloof, very uh, quiet character that when he gets to have his uh, quote unquote badass moments, he pulls them off. But the fact that he's very quiet, he's always looking at the ground. Bodily, he really, really fits into into what I imagine Pudge is looking. Very skinny, very tall. The only thing that I never pictured in the book was the hair. <laughs> he has this middle part with very long hair that goes to both sides. And it wasn't distracting. It doesn't look bad, but it was something that I did not expect. So, yeah, the 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 fact that uh, that he plays uh, a very cool young Pudge, I think, really fits the aesthetic of the show. I think he does a great job by doing a very subtle, very quiet performance, which gets overshadowed by the, the rest of the cast. Uh, Christian Froseth plays uh, plays Alaska. I mostly know Christian Froseth from the film Kira um, Vergas is a Loser, which was a Netflix film. She had uh, she played like the secondary or, th or third part a character who's uh, posing as Kira Vergas in the film. 
I don't remember a lot of her, but for some reason she looked kind of older in that one that she that, that she does here. She she manages to look kind of youngerish in this role. I like her. I think she she does fine as Alaska, but Alaska was the only character in the main group of friends that I never could put a face on it. The only face that I could remember thinking like, oh, she th th this one kind of fits was a uh, like a younger Willa Holland, like bef like pre Arrow Willa Holland. I think she would have done a wonderful Alaska back in the day. Does Kristen Frosa do do good? She does good. She plays the mysterious girl next doorish character pretty well, and she she manages to pull the lines pretty well. I think she does fine as Alaska. Um, I don't know if they could have found someone else that could, maybe could have been better, but uh, this is uh, this is she's fine. Then love plays the colonel and he brings such a strong audac audacious tenacity to this performance he plays the character very different than what charlie Plummer and christian froset are doing while charlie and chris and christine are very clearly doing a character based on based on what the book is and making the role theirs danny love is straight up doing the book word from word i don't know if his dialogue was just written different but every time he's on screen he manages to capture the book word for word He's pretty much doing a soliloquy or like a long monologue based on every line that the book has as him. It almost feels like he's in a play and the two of them are in a TV show. They're in very different leagues. And I think that speaks to Daniel Love as a fantastic young talent. I think he does great in this role. But it's almost like he's chewing the scenery. Like he wants to be the main character. And... I'm all for it. I mean, Chip is a great character. He he definitely has this great moments where he shines. He outshines the rest of the cast most of the time. I would love to see him in a main role just to see what he does. But here, as a side character, kind of struggling to be the main character, he does good, if not a little bit distracting because of what everyone else is doing. Uh, Jay Lee plays Takumi and he does wonders. He he feels like he jumps straight out of the book, but in a more natural way. Like uh, He gets more uh, different lines than the book. I, I feel like Danny Love as the Colonel got a lot of the same lines that, that he got from the book and Jay Lee got to I, I don't know if he got to improvise I, I don't know if he, if he got different lines but he got to do a lot more a, a lot a lot more for for Takumi I think than the rest of the cast he got to uh be more playful he got to be a little bit angry and I think it really worked in the in, in the context because uh Takumi and Lara are the two characters that appear less in the in the book they they, they have a uh, of course they have a presence but not as much as we would like them to and I think uh, the, the fact that it's a uh, it's an eight episode series. It allows them to do a little bit more. So I love what he's doing. I like how they learn the, they learn to cut what needed to be cut and add what needed to be added. I didn't need to hear him rap. I thought it was fine. Those little scenes when he was just beatboxing and hanging out with the Colonel. I thought he did great. Um, Sofia Vasileva plays, um, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. She plays Lara Butterskaya. And another character that's also expanded from the book, she plays this uh, very, uh, very, uh, very cutesy character that uh, is expanded here. Uh, she becomes Miles' girlfriend at some point. And I like how they expanded on her. They they, they made her a, li a little bit more independent. They, they made her, they added a little bit more of backstory. She's present in all the scenes that she needs to be present, but she's present for even more. It's kind of like what they did with the Paper Towns movie where they also made um two girls coming to the trip not just the one girl so i think that really works so that's the main cast that, that that's who we're mainly following here uh a lot of uh not very well-known actors i like how we got like uh this very indie-ish feeling cast the most well-known actor uh, i think to me was ron cephas jones who has been in a lot of things he was in venom he was in uh, luke cage he's been in a lot of things recently and he plays a uh, dr hyde who's the religious teacher at school and he he's also chewing the scenery he i love what he's doing but i'll i'll i'll, I'll get to him in a second so that's our cast um 
the main plot of the movie, like I said, uh, this kid, Miles Halter, goes to this boarding school and he meets this group of friends. And these, these, this group of friends, they are the smartest kids in school. They're super smart. They're very well educated. They know about art. They know about literature. They know about science. They know about a lot of things. But they also have a bit of a, a bit of a dark side. You know, they love pranks. The, 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 this whole school lives off that. They, they, they live off pranks and. Here is where I think Miles starts getting the idea of, oh, these are both the smart kids and the cool kids. How is that possible? My 16-year-old mind can comprehend that those things can not uh, are not or can be mutually exclusive. So that's that's the kind of uh, of world where we're living here. Uh, human complexity, character complexity. These characters sometimes will say things and then contradict each other, um, which is what teenagers are like. <laughs> this is exactly how teenagers are like. And I like, I like what they're doing. So the plot, the plot goes like this. Uh, Miles meets these kids. He starts hanging out with them. He starts to do things that he usually wouldn't do, like drinking, smoking, doing the, do, doing these pranks. But he also is applying a lot, uh, himself a lot in school. And it gives him an opportunity to change, get to know a lot of more things. And one of the ways that he does that is through Dr. Hyde's class, which is a world religions class. They learn three, three different religions and try to answer the, the world's biggest questions through the perspective of each religion. This allows Miles to get to ask himself that question. Through this, uh, he also gets to meet Wooly's characters who are so cartoony, you might as well believe that they're out from something like Karate Kid. But, you know, they weren't a lot like that in the book. But I think they work. I think they work in an environment like this. And they're played by really, really actors that could, you know, very easily fit these characters. The show has a very different structure from others. Um, it works better as a TV show in that way because every chapter in the book, 200 days before, 10 days before, 3 days before, instead of chapter 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. And then in the middle part, there's a section where it just says after, and then we go two days after, three days after, 10 days after, 100 days after. We jump into this, the, there's something that happens in the middle that's gonna break the story. And we're gonna get to that when we jump into uh, post spoilers. That structure is added into this show as uh, episode breaks. So every time an episode ends, it says 100 days before, 50 days before, 20 days before, 10 days before. And then when the thing happens, the episodes go after, two days after, 10 days after, 100 days after. It breaks the 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 commodity of the show, but I kind of like that they did that. It's a it's a nicely paced show. Now that uh now that we're we're talking about that, I want to talk a little bit about the changes from the novel to the show. Now, of course, this is an adaptation. Of course, there have to be changes, but I did notice a couple and I wanted to touch on them a little bit. First of all, the second episode includes a scene with a debutante ball. That scene is completely made up. It has no no position in the book, but I kind of like that. It gave the characters an opportunity to bond and Miles an opportunity to be a part of this group that, do, that does these pranks. I like all the scenes with the pranks. And when we finally get to the debutante ball, it was kind of interesting how we got to, to see all that. Uh, Dr. Hyde, the character of Dr. Hyde is given a larger storyline and backstory in this show. And I like that they did that. I like how they they, they contributed to that. They they made him have this backstory with a former lover, uh, how the former lover passed away. I like how they made him more present with the scenes with Chip and the mom. I like how they gave them an opportunity to breathe out and be ever present in in, in here. I, I believe that, and it, give an, it gives an opportunity for Ron Cephas Jr. Did I say that right? No, sorry, Ron Cephas Jones to uh, play this character who he does very well. I I, I love what he's doing. Uh, the Colonel might getting expelled storyline uh, gets tied into the barn prank scene. The Colonel getting expelled was also a thing that uh, 
it's not present in the book and it made it a bigger issue here. It added to the drama. It made it a little bit uh, longer, but I didn't, I don't know, it, it, it had more weight here. And I just didn't think that the pace of the book, which is more chill, more slice of life, I would have liked to have seen more scenes like that in the novel this one went more for drama a lot of couples that do not end up together in the book get together here the eagle and the friend teacher getting together sure why not that makes sense uh takumi and lara getting together you could kind of smell this was going to happen in the in the book but it, it's it ends up showing here how do they get together we never know but they just do longwell and sarah getting together i mean that kind of also makes sense but it, it's it's more explained in the show which is nice alaska being discovered as a rat carried more way more weight in the show as she we see her being shunned by the whole school instead of just her friends this has moved on pretty quickly in the book but it does not become an issue and here this is a three four episode thing that lasts until the very end so that ends up uh really affecting here i do like a lot a lot of things that uh, the, the the show did but a couple of the negatives that i had book alaska she uh, she's way less clear about her affection for pudge like she we're aware that she's very flirty she likes to flirt that uh, and that she she loves flirting with Pudge because of the reaction that he gets but it's never fully confirmed if she does like him which is why what she does ends up being uh, very explicit so that's like the one change I didn't like in the show in the show it's very obvious that she does have feelings for him even now showing that she broke up with her boyfriend Jake to be with him but then she uh she, she has a different fate I didn't love that actually I didn't love if she does like him or if she just if she's just flirting I didn't like that they confirmed that I, I feel like a lot of the show a lot of the book was based based on how we shouldn't assume and we shouldn't misimagine people. That, that's my one big strike against the show. I didn't like that it, it expanded perspectives. It's a thing, it's a thing that, that the show added and I didn't love it. I'll be completely honest. Um, throughout the book, we're seeing everything from, from Pudge's, from Miles' perspective. And we never know if Alaska does have feelings for him. And in this one, you can tell that she definitely does. I didn't love that. I feel like they could have uh, made it a little bit more vague just so the show carried the same same weight as what we see in the book they did the same thing with the paper towns movie were spoilers but at the end in the book when they don't when they do find margo q just goes up to her and, and is like hey I, i'm here to save you like what's up and then she goes like what the fuck is wrong with you like of course you of course you think i i needed saving you know the message is very obvious there and when they did the movie it's just they just they just bump into each other and she's like oh i didn't want you to save me but like whatever like no like part of the weight of the lesson that we learn is you have to learn these things the hard way and the books are very clear about that and the show is not the show is very kind to that lesson and i feel like this is a lesson that needs to be learned the hard way because some people just need to shake this into their heads and yeah it does end up affecting it we see alaska and chip meet i didn't really need to see that i feel like that affected a little bit about my pacing of the show like i can just assume that they became friends and that's it and when they do this i'll be honest i didn't i didn't i didn't love it uh my last my last area of opportunity that that, that i found into the show is i could have used a little bit more of the before and a little bit more of the after I feel like 10 episodes would have been uh perfect maybe 12 just so we can have like an equal footing on what happens before 
and after. Uh, the before part in the book is shorter than the after part. And in the show, we get like six episodes of the before and only two episodes of the after. And I don't feel like that's balanced at all. I, I feel like we were missing out on very interesting drama. And I feel like if, if we had gotten like six episodes of the before and six episodes of the after, maybe seven of the before and, and five of the after, we could, have, we could have done with a little bit more, more chemistry of the characters, more improvised moments, more moments of them just hanging out and being people. I would have loved to have seen something like that. That's the thing with uh, the things that I like, the things that I didn't like. He falls in love with this Alaska character because he meets her and she's everything that he's been looking for. He's, she is the representation of this great perhaps. Uh, she's mysterious. She's a reader. She smokes. She drinks. She has this great adventure. She's very... Uh, she's The show starts and the book as well starts with uh, presenting her kind of like a semantic pixie dream girl. But you start realizing after we get to the after section that she is actually uh, a criticism of the manic pixie dream girl she exists and then take and then spoilers here we're gonna go into spoilers so just spoilers uh spoilers let's go um she's taken away she dies she gets into a car accident and she dies and throughout the story of the book we start to realize that oh maybe we shouldn't misimagine her the way that you know everyone has because uh, Pudge did that the colonel did that everyone in school had an opinion and a different and different uh, image of her and that's wrong that's wrong we shouldn't misimagine people that way so that's the lesson that we have to learn at the end and yeah so throughout the before part we have a lot of these moments of the characters just hanging out they're getting together hanging out they're having parties they uh, going to this smoking hole location to smoke to drink to talk uh they go into this woods to talk to 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 hang out and i love seeing them hang out like this is exactly how i picture them in the book just like hanging out making jokes talking they talk about books they talk about uh, uh religion they talk about uh they make jokes they talk about food they get into fights they have these relationships and they're expanded in well represented in the before part i really like how they how they did that um when we get to the after part which is uh the after the big con the big uh, conflict or the big scene that be makes this the before and after is the car accident so after the car accident we see alaska is dead we don't see her dead but we we know she's dead and now the characters have to grieve and they have to move on from this and they have to find out if her death was caused by a suicide or if it was an actual accident where was she going why did this happen and that's why the show is called looking for alaska which is why i think the show did not benefit from that it's two episodes of just the looking when the first six episodes is just them hanging out the title does not give a spoiler to what happens but it does feel like a wasted opportunity like that looking for alaska or the original title misimagining alaska i think would have worked a little bit better here i think the show ends up really affected to it on the after scenes we see the characters grieving we see them going to the funeral we see them planning this uh, alaska young memorial prank that they're doing and all those scenes are also in the book they end up really working the acting is strong enough to carry out this very natural performances. But there's like a part of me that feels like something is missing. I feel like maybe the great Looking for Alaska adaptation has not been done yet. Like this is good, but it could be better. <laughs> no, um, sorry, Wonder Woman 1984. The adaptation is all right. This is an all right adaptation. 
But I feel like there's some things that could still be done. I feel like maybe the actors are not the best actors for this. I mean, they're good. They do a good job. But maybe there's maybe maybe there are younger actors or maybe actors at the right age at some other time that could do a stellar performance if all of them were giving the same direction or the same uh, positioning as uh, Danny Love is doing or what Charlie Plummer is doing. If they were all on the same page, sometimes they just feel like they're reading pages of the book to each other and not really talking to each other. And that could really affect the acting. It can affect the dynamic of what the characters are going through that's what i think ended up really affecting i want to talk about the soundtrack for a second because this is a wonderful soundtrack i love love how the fact that it decided to to actually take place in 2004 2005 it ended up fitting really well with the aesthetic how everyone is dressed the fashion the music that they're listening to if they had given smartphones to these kids this show would not be as entertaining as it was and i think it ended up really working i love how the characters are dressed i love the music that they're listening to every episode features an indie-ish cover version of a song from that time and it ends up really working from songs like Milkshake by Khalees, I Will Follow You Into the Dark, Fix You by Coldplay, um, uh, Take Me Out by uh, that rock band, I forgot their name, but I love that. Yeah, it added, it added a lot of personality to the episodes. Uh, someone mentioned to me that it could be like uh, they're trying to steal what Riverdale is doing. I don't think that's exactly what Riverdale is doing. I think it's very different. I think it really fits the tone the mood of what the characters are doing. If you see the first trailer that, that came out, the trailer is just the characters reading lines from the book, even lines that the characters themselves don't say while they're walking around the campus. I really like that reveal trailer. I like how they carried out that mood into the show. So uh, setting, place and time, fashion, this is all present. The soundtrack is great. Uh, we have to ask ourselves if this added two questions. Does this work and who is this for? Um, the question, does it work, is yes. Um, I think the show really works as an adaptation. It really works as an introduction to the story. The book is, of course, different, but not that different. It's like the same song in a different key. Um, so sometimes there are scenes that it really captures the spirit of the book, but there are enough differences to make it its own thing. Um, who is this for? Fans of the book. Fans of the book are going to be pleased to find a direct fun adaptation of the book. Remember when they did the, the Let It Snow adaptation for Netflix? That uh, book and that movie are very different, but it's kind of like what Eminem did to that Kingdom Hearts song when he sampled it. He kind of chopped it up into a billion pieces, rearranged it, and made a new thing out of it. That's what they did with Let It Snow. Fun experiment. It's like the book, the remix as a movie. This one, it's a more clear adaptation with enough differences to be its own thing. I would really be interested in hearing what people that haven't read the book think about this adaptation because I think the fact that it was done by Hulu and not by Netflix or like a bigger uh, developer kept the adaptation grounded. Like, okay, only the people that have read the book are gonna look for this. So if you haven't read the book and you've gotten this far, first of all, wrong, spoilers. But second of all, I would really like to hear what anyone that didn't read the book thinks about the adaptation because sometimes I feel like the John Green dialogue works really well on the page, but when I see it in, on screen, I felt this way in Fault in Our Stars and I feel this way here. It feels like they're reading the book. It doesn't feel like a performance. So I don't know if it's the dialogue or if it's the acting, but the fact that I'm seeing it on two different uh, adaptations makes me think it's the dialogue. And I love John Green dialogue, but maybe it works better in, this, in, this, in the page than it does on the screen. So I really want to hear anyone that hasn't read the book, I want to hear your thoughts on the Looking for Alaska adaptation. 
Um, my opinion is that it's great. I think the Looking for Alaska adaptation is a cool niche little thing. I like that it's a limited series, no season two, no nothing, just eight episodes. It's a one shot, it's a one and done. And I like that I got an opportunity to hang out with these characters more than 10 years after the book came out, more than 10 years after I personally read the book. I like that. I like how they didn't change. I like how they stayed, how I remember them from the book. They had a little bit of change and the actors definitely bring in a lot of personality into them. I like what the adaptation is doing. It's not perfect. It's definitely not perfect. And maybe the fact that, I, that I'm that i not watching it while I'm their age, which is when I read the book, it's going to affect it. Because I read the book when I was the age of the characters. So it, it, I felt right at home. I felt like I was a Culver Creek hang, hanging out with these kids. But now, 10 years later, it hits different. But it was definitely nostalgic, you know. It, it, it ended up really working. Maintaining a, a, a lot of the same lines from the book. And the spirit of the book is definitely there. It's just, like I said, in a different key so my rating i'll give it a nice 8.5 out of 10 it's a nice adaptation it's eight episodes uh 50 minutes uh per episode i enjoyed it the book is definitely better if you can get a chance to read the book definitely give yourself the opportunity but this is a nice adaptation if you have a hulu account and you want to check out a hulu original like a instead of uh their content itself i think this is definitely a nice entry into their catalog good for hulu good for john Good for these kids. I'm so glad to visit them in Culver Creek. I will gladly do it again. If you're listening to us on YouTube, you can follow us on any of our links down below. Thank you for joining us. If you'd like to hear more about our thoughts on movies, go to therollback.net. I've been Chema, reviewing Looking for Alaska, and this was The Rollback.